Good morning, everyone. Welcome to the Tuesday, June 23rd edition of the MMAOB Daily Podcast. I'm your host, as always, Adam Martin, and I'm joined by my buddy here, Cole Sheldon, the co-host of the MMAOB Daily Podcast, to break down UFC on ESPN 12, Poirier versus Hooker, as well as recap UFC on ESPN 11, Blazers Volkov. Cole, what's going on, man? Not much. What about you? I'm good, dude, for sure. Um, looking forward to this card and looking forward to moving on from the last one. You know, let's just r- jump right into a call as we usually do. Wow, that was rough. You know, it's one of those night like that's the thing that makes the sport great. You, it's always it's always unpredictable. You never know what's really gonna happen. Saturday was another example of that. It reminded me of the Glover versus Smith card a few weeks ago, Cole, where we got slaughtered as well on our picks. Like a rough night. I didn't see anyone have a good night. You know, I think everyone had a bad night because there was a lot of upsets. A lot of fights you didn't see uh, coming, like the outcomes coming, happen. Just a crazy night of fights. Um, definitely not happy about uh, my picks. You know, it is what it is. I, I gave the best read of the fights I could, but sometimes it, it just doesn't work out that way. I, I, I kept thinking, man, I'm not going to get a pick right tonight. It's just, it was one of those nights, cool, you know? So I know you also kind of had a, a, a rough night. Like, if you go to the MMA Oddsbreaker, um, like the staff picks, goal, I think there was like one guy who had a, better than 500 records so you know i think universally this was just a tough card like i saw a lot of people lost some money on this card yeah and it's the thing where even if i could repick my picks i don't think i'd change them like i thought i was picking the right people it's just like where i think if they fight again like maybe it'd be a totally different outcome maybe i'd have a way better night it was just like so many close matchups or you it was such a toss it was really like a coin flip who's gonna win this one oh 100 like there's i guess a few that i i wish i could have back but you know generally you know, my I've been sticking with my reads, man. Like overall, you know, this year has gone pretty well. Like I think I, I was second in the staff picks heading into this night behind Kyle, Kyle, who's a professional gambler. I'm not a professional gambler, you know, Cole. So I'm an analyst, but uh, it was just one of those nights. But again, Cole, you know, this is what makes this. It makes the sport great when we have nights like this because if we knew what was going to happen going to every fight, Cole, if we knew the betting favor is going to win, why would we want to watch, right? So it's nice actually in a way when these upsets happen, even though it hurts your own ego because you're like, man, you know, I thought I could handicap these fights properly and then it doesn't go that way. It's still what makes the sport great, Cole. I don't know what you think about that, but that's what I think. Yeah, for sure. I agree with all that. Yeah, okay. So let's get a comment here from Damon Blackburn. What's up, guys? What's going on, Damon? Good morning to you. Good morning to everyone else who's watching. And if you're watching a replay, no worries there. Uh, like I said, we'll start with UFC on ESPN 11. Break it down, and then we'll get to UFC on ESPN 12. And David says, I'm the only one here who can get a shout-out. Yeah, it's still pretty early for sure. I just posted it anyway. So hopefully some people jump in before the preview starts. But like I said, let's start with the recap for UFC on ESPN 11, Blades Volkov. I'll start with the main event, Cole, and work our way down uh, as usual. Um, Curse Blades wins unanimous decision here, 49-46, 48-47, 48 uh, I feel like those last two scorecards were a little generous. But I mean, I think you could give Volkov the, third, uh, the fourth and fifth rounds. But I think I just gave him the fourth. I can't remember. It was either the fourth or fifth. Yeah, I only gave him one round. I feel like yeah, Me too. I think maybe it was the fourth round. Even though in the fifth round, I think he landed that kick. But either way, Cole, a very dominant performance by Curse Blades, especially for, through the first three rounds. Uh, Dana White criticized his performance afterwards. I was a little surprised by that. You know, personally, like, obviously, they want stand-up fights, right? We get that. that the UFC prefers stand-up fights. You know, they prefer guys who war. But... I think what Curse Blades did setting the heavyweight takedown record with 14 takedowns is really impressive. Like, was it his best performance? No. He didn't get the finish. He did gas out a little bit in the last couple of rounds. Like, the fact he went five rounds, he's cool. He's like 285 pounds and cuts down to 265. Like, he is a, he's a beast, man. So, 
Curtis Blades, you know, to me, was actually quite impressive in his performance. Uh, Dana White didn't like it, but Cole, what'd you think? I was impressed. Yeah, I was really impressed. Like, and I don't get, I don't think he was talking that much shit what Dana White was saying. All he sent out was one tweet basically saying, if you're expecting a stand up fight, like, it's not going to happen. We're just going to take him down. And that's exactly what he did. He, like, it was his first takedown was like six seconds into the fight. Yeah. Like, he wasn't going to stand with the Volkov. He was going to lose if he just stood with Volkov. Like, that was his easiest path to victory. That's kind of what everyone expected. He wasn't, like, I don't think he was talking about shit. I just think Dana was mad that basically he was saying fighters could be paid more, and Dana White obviously doesn't like that. For sure, it had something to do with fighter pay. Like, he actually was interviewed by Brian Okamoto and said as much. Basically said, like, you know, if you're going to talk with a smack and then, you know, talk with fighter pay, like, you better have a better performance. But to me, like, again, 14 takedowns, that's pretty impressive. So, not the most fun fight to watch, but I think an important fight in the heavyweight division. Right now, Curtis Blades Cole is the clear number four. Like, the top four of this division is so clear. It's uh, obviously Stipe at number one, or champion, I guess, and then you have DC right there, Nagano, and then Blades. But Blades, obviously, right now is in a tough spot in the division. Who does he fight next, right? Because he could wait and see what happens. Like, Nagano could get hurt. You never know. Stipe or DC can get hurt. Somehow, Curtis Blades could slide in there. But I think the smart money is on him actually taking another fight. I just don't know who he'd fight right now because for some reason, they booked the Derek lewis Alenic fight before this card. I think they should have waited a week. You probably could have had Blades and Lewis in there in, in August, Cole, to set up like the, the next guy after Nagano. So to me, I, I don't know. I, I feel like they should have waited on that matchup personally. But either way, I think, you know, Blades probably should take another fight in the, in the interim, Cole. But again, it's just hard to say who's going to fight because you look at the rankings, right? And I'm going to look at them right now. And again, the rankings suck. The rankings are garbage. And I have John talking about the rankings. And I'm going to get to you in the next fight, John. But, and good morning, by the way, John, or good afternoon, I guess, to you. Um, as far as the heavyweight ranks go, Cole, you know, again, you look at who's available. There really is no one available. Actually, the only guy available right now is Augustus Sarkai at number 10 and Walt Harris at number 9. Harris fight doesn't make sense. Harris coming off a knockout loss to Ovary. But I guess he could fight Sakai. You could do that fight. I'm not saying that's, you know, it's obviously a huge step down. I think Curtis deserves a better guy, but there's literally no one else, Cole. I just think he waits. Just wait to see what happens with Lewis Olenek. Wait to see what happens with Cormier Miocic and uh, Dos Santos Rosenstruck. If Rosenstruck wins, he could easily fight Rosenstruck, he could fight yeah. Lewis. Like he's not in a position where he has to turn around like in two months in August or September. Like he can wait until next year and see how this plays out. No, you're you're right about that. John says eleven PM here. Damn, I was so wrathful about that. You had <laughs> like what? Oh my god, eleven hours ahead? Thirteen hours ahead. Jeez. Okay, so uh yeah, I agree with everything you said. Well let's get to the co main event because this is the fight that everyone's talking about. An amazing fight here between Josh Emmett and Shane Burgos. Wow, what a fight man. Like definitely one of the best fights of the year. Holy crap. These guys just beat the shit out of each other. I mean, this was fun to watch, man, for sure. Uh, two fantastic fighters. Nice pick there, Cole, with Emmett. You know, that's all a lot of people want Emmett, obviously, as a dog. Uh, I thought Burgos with the volume was going to beat him, you know, and, and the fight was close. The first two rounds, Cole, were close. Uh, third round, definitely Josh Emmett. You could give it a 10-8 Josh Emmett. I thought Josh Emmett won the fight. I thought he did more damage. I thought that he landed bigger shots. And to me, that's why we give him the decision. I did see some smart people I respect giving it to Shane Burgos. I just don't think that's the right call. I think the judges got it right. Cole, one of the best fights of the year, and what do you think about the performance of both guys? Yeah, it was really good. Like I was expecting Emmett to knock out Burgos. I just think Burgos, the way he fights, he gets hit a lot, and he always has his hands down quite often, where I thought you can't do that against Emmett, where Emmett almost only need one, but I was super impressed with Shane Burgos' chin. He took some shots that, if you saw Michael Johnson and Miroslav Bactrick, they went out cold by those shots, and Burgos just kept on going forward. Yeah. It was definitely an incredible fight. I don't think either of them 
I don't think Burgos loses any stock or any hype with that performance. Like, even though he lost, I still think people are still really high on him. He had a great performance. Came close to beating Josh Emmett. Like, those two are still, like, two of the top ten best featherweights in the world. Oh, no doubt about it. Uh, Very impressive. I mean, great fight, like I said. I think Emmett deserved it. Now, the question with the rankings, like, this is definitely something that's interesting. This division's so stacked right now. Like, they really got to – I kind of hate that they're doing Volkanovski hallway too, cool. Because I'd rather them like actually get through these contenders. Because you got Sabit, you got Yair, you have Cater, you have Emmett now, uh, you have Jung. So you have a bunch of guys that are waiting. You even have Ortega because that fight with Volkanovski fresh. So there's a lot of different fights they can do for the belt. They chose to do the hallway rematch, so the division's getting held up a little bit right now, Cole. It is what it is. I think Holloway, you know, definitely deserves that respect for a rematch. But I personally wouldn't have did that fight. Either way, yeah, I mean, this was impressive as hell, but Josh Emmett took a lot of damage in this fight. Uh, he listed all the injuries last night, Cole. I think he's got you know, a severe knee injury. He's going to be out for a minute. I mean, he'll probably be out for, like, you know, I'd say it's, what, six to 12 months possibly, like, based on the damage he took. So I don't even think you have to think about what matchup's next for him. Whenever he's ready to come back, he'll have a really big-name fight. I think he'll have a top-five opponent. Uh, and as far as Burgos goes, I mean, again, you know, great chin. It was a good fight. But he did lose the fight, so he's got some work to do. You're right, Cole. Keeps those hands down a little bit too low, and you can't do that against Scott. Josh Emmett, man. I mean, seriously, <laughs> pound for pound, he might be one of the hardest punchers in MMA. He might be the hardest puncher in MMA, possibly. He didn't get Burgos out of there, though, so, I mean, there's probably someone else. Like, you know, Cejudo's definitely up there as well. He's retired now. But, yeah, I think Josh Emmett, great performance. He moves to 7-2 uh, and two now in the UFC, so definitely up there for a big fight. Now, I want to get to John's question. Emmett ranked number eight after beating Burgos with a blown knee. What the hell? <laughs> ranking solution yeah i don't so, think the rankings have an update it's an only update today okay so i think jedi goodman posted them last night i saw him post them i think that uh burgos went up a me track right now i saw jedi goodman post them last night well uh, i know certain websites update a lot earlier like the freaking canon us one takes forever to update right that's my that's possibly what he did okay let's take a look here featherweight okay so yeah he got uh uh no it's actually the same the only thing with difference is shane burgos moved down uh, four spots to number 14. He's tied with Sodi Gusev for 14. Uh, Josh Emmett did not go up. Frankie Edgar is still ranked. It's so stupid. So stupid. The rankings are fucking dog shit. They, they're terrible. And the thing that pisses me off about them is, you know, the UFC uses them, uh, Cole, to justify the matchups they want when they when they like them. But when they don't like the matchup, they'll justify them by saying the rankings don't matter. Like the Jose Aldo thing. Like, why is he fighting for the bell, right? But Dana White could justify it somehow. So as far as the rankings go, they suck. Now, the thing that really pisses me off, and I saw it this morning, I was never aware this was uh, the case. Um, Eric Kowal from My MMA News, which I think you also work for, Cole, uh, he posted a uh, like a screen cap of basically the UFC rankings uh, producer. I, got, I don't know who it is. Someone that works for the UFC gave them like some sort of uh, – uh, instructions on how to vote, basically. I had no idea they did this. I did think the voters were uh, kind of independent, but apparently they get this thing saying like, well, this is how you guys should vote. And they're basically saying that Shane Burgos should actually be dropped in the rankings because they think Bryce Mitchell should take his spot in the rankings. Cole, this is an absolute joke. I'm actually pretty pissed off because it just, this affects guys' careers. It affects their contracts. That's why I was never interested in this. I got to get your thoughts on man, because I'm going to go crazy here thinking about it. Yeah, you should definitely check out his tweet, because I never knew they did this either. And it basically was saying, if Emmett would have lost, he should have been removed from the rankings too, yeah. because his last one was Mursad Bechtik, and they think Mitchell's better than Bechtik. And his only ranked guy he's fought is Stevens, and he lost. It's like, 
Are you serious? Like he was ranked eight, and you think a loss to a what was Burgos ten or twelve, something like that, should get him removed from the rankings? And it basically says if Emmett wins, he should be no higher than seven. If Burgos wins, he should be no higher than seven. If Burgos loses, he should be off the rank. Like it basically says you cannot put these guys any higher than this number, Dude, which is so stupid. What the hell is this? I didn't even know they sent it. Okay, first off, like I said, the rankings suck, and to me. Uh, you just shouldn't do it if you're media because, like, you're getting involved too much with the fighters' careers and the matchmaking and the contracts. UFC uses these rankings to justify the money they give to the fighters. I would never want to even be part of that, you know? So, to me, it's like, I think these guys should all resign from this. I didn't even know they did this, you know what I mean? So, to me, why not the UFC just actually release their own rankings? Like, Sean Shelby and and Dana White and, and Hunter Campbell, all these guys, they have rankings. They have a war room with that whiteboard pool. They have the UFC rankings that are like the actual rankings that we have, but they have their own rankings, the real rankings. And I think that's what we should see. Not We shouldn't see this media thing, especially when it's partly being dictated by um, the UFC itself. So pretty crazy there. So, you know, I can go on and on about this, but either way, a great fight. I'm just – I'm upset about the rankings this morning, guys. I really am. Like, I didn't even know this was uh, – out there. I had no idea that they were actually encouraging people how to vote. And seriously, why the fuck would Bryce Mitchell take Shane Burgos' spot in the top 15? Like, I'm so angry about this, Cole. Seriously, man. Any thoughts, Cole? <laughs> no, you got it all. Like, it's just so stupid. <laughs> yeah, I went crazy there. Okay, turn it up and make. Uh, Cole and Adam, what's up, guys? I'm fired up this morning, man. Fired up. You guys always go live when I conference meetings. That's good, right? Even Blackburn, you ever seen eight underdogs win one card? I have. Uh, there's a few cards. One was Volkov versus Verdun. That was that had a lot of upsets. Oh, was, all those European cards are so hard to. There's also this card that was like five years ago, I think. Now, it man, uh, Bigfoot versus Mir in Brazil. There was like ten upsets on the. I think it had the most upsets. Like it was a crazy card. John Co. was it confusing? Burgos's corner didn't instruct in tackling where I think so because that's where he was doing a lot of damage. And obviously, we know now how Bur uh, bad Emmett actually was hurt from Burgos. But I don't know, man. I don't, I don't know if it would have changed. You know, like I just think he took too much damage, like with the punches, and that's ultimately what did him in here. Dave Blackburn, you can't argue with Max getting rematch. Anyone's deserving it's him. It, it, I, dude, I agree. It's like DC getting a rematch or Stipe getting it the first time. Like you got that respect, but to me, it's like there's so many other guys in this division. John says, I love a pissed on. Dude, I appreciate that. I'm just so angry with these rankings. Like, seriously, why would Bryce Mitchell take? <laughs> cool, it's just hilarious. By the way, Shane Burgos, guys, dropped, again, down to 14. So right now he's below Sody Yusuf. I think those guys are on the same level. He's below Jose Aldo, which, why is he in two different rankings right now? He's below Arnold Allen, which blows my mind. I think, to, I think Yusuf and Burgos should be ahead of Allen. And he's below Ryan Hall. Are you kidding me? Shane Burgos is, to me, a top 10 guy. I would have him ranked above Jeremy Stevens. Jeremy Stevens is so overranked. Number nine? Why? He did beat Emmett. Like, don't get me wrong. I know he has that win, but it's from like two and a half years ago. There's no way. Jer Look at Jeremy Stevens' record, Cole. He doesn't even win fights anymore. He should not be up. He's on a five-fight uh, win the streak. He shouldn't be that high. So, to me, Burgos is actually number 10. Maybe you could have Ige ranked above Burgos. It's also ridiculous, by the way. Edson Barboza is not on the rankings either. Because judges kind of hurt him there. He's not even in the rankings. Let's move on because I don't want to talk about this fight anywhere. And I don't want to talk about the rankings. They're making me so angry, you know. They should take the fans' polls, opinion, the higher consideration of matchmaking. UFC typically actually does, I would say, listen to the fans more than, like, others, like, maybe boxing does. But, uh, yeah, I mean, for sure. Like, I just want to see the real rankings. I like to see what Sean Shelby and Nick Maynard actually have. I don't really care what some media members that are being instructed by the UFC rank their guys. It's stupid. 
okay, cool. Next fight, uh, Pennington and Renault. I mean, we know what was going to happen. This one actually was probably the easiest fight in the whole card to call when I think about it. Pennington. Yeah, this one in the main event, like those, yeah. if you had asked me two confident fights, it would be those two that I would have picked. Like, yeah, this one, I didn't see a single way Renault was going to win. Yeah, Pennington wins the decision. Kind of, I don't know, just an uneventful fight. Next fight was really good. Bilal Muhammad defeats Lyman Good via unanimous decision. I did score for Bilal. Close fight. Some people had for Good. Uh, I'm assuming you had for Muhammad Cole or? Yeah. Okay, yeah. I just think the wrestling was a difference and kind of what I thought was going to happen. But a good fight. And I think possibly the fight of the night up until the M8 Burgos fight, Cole, at that point. And then opening up the main card, man, another great performance here by Jim Miller, who John actually did pick last week. That was a nice uh, nice pick there as a dog. I even said he had a chance, but I didn't expect him to actually pull it off. I got to be honest. Uh, what an impressive performance. I mean, this guy just submits everyone else. So he either gets to me or he submits on him. But seriously, like Jim Miller, man, this guy's going to be in the Hall of Fame one day, guys. He really is. Yeah. Not a champion, Cole. Doesn't matter. Most fights, 35 fights, he's still winning fights in it, like, like this over young prospects. You know, again, Roosevelt Roberts, man, kind of overrated. You know, beat uh, a couple guys that were unranked, Brock Weaver. But also lost to Vince Michelle, who's an unranked fighter, Cole. And to me, that Michelle fight was like, you know, don't be too confident about this guy. So I wasn't shocked. But the way Miller pulled it off, I mean, that was impressive, Cole. Yeah, and that's the thing. Like, Miller is no doubt a Hall of Famer. Like, he's most UFC fights. He told me he wants to get to 40. I think he can easily get to 40. That's five more fights. He seems like he's in really good shape right now. Like, the line duty isn't a problem for any, him anymore. And he says, like, ever since he's been fresh, like, he feels as best as he has in years. So. I think he can get to 40 fights. He's obviously, I don't think he's ever going to be in contention for a title anymore, but he should just have these fun fights. Like, fight some of these veterans, like that Goita matchup. Like, that's what Miller should be doing. Like, it was a, I just think that's where you have to put him, but he's always excited to watch. Like, whenever he's on a card, like, it, yeah, I just love watching him fight. He's just the perfect guy to, like, open up a main card against a prospect because he's, he's a gatekeeper. That's his basically position right now in the company. But, and actually, I had the point later on in the podcast. We just talk about now, Cole, but, uh, Miller did an interview with Kinch at BJ Penn Radio Call. He said he was interested potentially moving up to 170, takes on fun fights, or even 185. I'm assuming he's joking about 185, but uh, I think 170, that's a good move for him because, uh, yes, he could beat a lot of guys at lightweight, but why not take some fun fights at 170? I think there's guys he could beat there, in the, like, you know, not maybe not in the top 15, but there's some fun fights for him, Cole. Like, uh, you know, for, like even Bilal Muhammad, that'd be a fun fight at 170. You know, I'm not, Bilal probably deserves a ranked guy at this point. I, I think he does, but. You know, that's the kind of fight I think could happen. But uh, either way, Miller, man, you got to give up to the guy. Seriously, like, to battle back from Lyme disease and, uh, you know, come on strong this later in his career, it's very impressive. Although getting Peter Young is a joke. I agree with that. Nice pick with Jim Miller, Big and Roberts. A lot of people were, like, just parlaying Roberts and Blake. Yeah. Yeah, that was, like, the main a lot people are doing. I saw a lot of people doing Roberts inside the distance, too. Yeah. I, I You know, fight ends inside the distance definitely had a good chance because – uh, both guys are kind of susceptible. Oh, especially Jim Miller. He's been submitted a lot. Okay, so let's get to the prelims here. Uh, we'll go through them kind of quick. There's obviously one fight at the end I want to really talk about here, Nicole, but uh, Bobby Green defeats Clay Guida. I did score for Bobby. What'd you think? Yeah, I had it for Bobby as well. It was competitive, though. I mean, for yeah. sure. The takedowns, you know. Um, I think for me, like the third round, it came down to the third round, Cole, and the third round was super competitive. And uh, the end where Green stopped the takedown and started hammer fisting Guida in the face right at the very end, the last 10 seconds. That sealed it, I think, for the judges. So I, I did pick Clay Guida. Obviously, it didn't go right, but I, I still feel like the, the odds were uh, – Oh, too, yeah. You know, considering how close the fight was. But a good fight for Bobby Green. Now James Vick's calling out. I mean, I guess. Like, I think Green knocks James Vick out personally. What do you think, Cole? Yeah, it's 
I'm surprised James Vegas still in the UFC, to be honest. I haven't heard anything about him. I thought he might have been cut, but maybe he's not. Maybe they're giving one more, but I think Bobby Green will probably beat him. Damon, I had Bobby Guidas to look decent. Yeah, he looked okay. I mean, his wrestling is always on point. Uh, Tisha Torres looked great. Oh. This, this is one I wanted back because, honestly, I was leaning this way, and then I just went with Van Buren. I don't know why. Just, you know, I, I guess the recent hot streak. But, yeah, Torres looked good. I mean, the experience – advantage in her favor definitely played a factor her striking was just much better so i, I thought she looked really good call mark andre barrio looked really good knocking out oscar Rochota. <laughs> there's no way but is going back to the ufc after this uh four straight losses by stoppage two and four overall in the ufc barrio's one and three but uh that was the last fight in his deal i think they'll give him another contract um who was he calling out Cole? i saw some call out oh, um geez I, I can't i should remember this guys i apologize mark andre barrio he called someone out yeah, but they'll keep them around just because they need more Canadians in the UFC. Just when fans are allowed back in, when they go to Canada, like they only have like him, Julian Robertson, John McDessey. Like they only have like probably five Canadians. It's messed up. Like when I was getting this four call, it was like ten years ago when uh, you know we were getting legalized here in Ontario and stuff. Like, and there was so much uh, promise, and now there's like no Canadians. It's pretty nuts. But yeah, Barrio, I mean, he's actually not bad. It, you know, the the three losses he lost close decisions Cole. So to me, he's a guy that's actually, you know, he's kind of a gatekeeper, I think at this point, but uh, can put on some fun fights. Julian Rock. Okay. This was impressive. I mean, I didn't expect this fight to happen this way. Julian Robertson defeats Courtney Casey submission third round gets the finish, man. I think she's got the most submissions now in that division. So that's pretty impressive. Courtney Casey. I don't know. Like the takedown defense was really not there at all. So got taken down a will Robertson strong top game in this fight. She looked great. I still think she's got a lot of holes in her game personally, like especially in that stand-up. Uh, and obviously on the ground too, we, we saw what happened with Macy Barber finisher. But yeah, I mean, she looked good in this fight, Cole, and Casey loses, but uh, definitely a good performance here, right, uh, Julian Robertson. Any thoughts on those last couple of fights? Yeah, it was just, Julian Robertson looked really good. She's 25. She's a good prospect to fly. She has tied for the most wins in the division, which is kind of interesting. She's tied yeah. with Shevchenko and Chukagan. She's off. She has a lot of way to, she has a lot of work to do, but her ground game is like, she can submit a lot of people. Yeah, she has um, right now 12 career fights, and 11 of, them, uh, 11 of them have ended inside the distance. So, you know, compared to most female fighters, she actually either gets finished or finishes her fights at a higher rate. Uh, next up, I mean, geez, I didn't expect this to happen. Justin James goes out there and just absolutely flatlines Frank's, Frank Camacho in 41 seconds school. I mean, this was definitely impressive. Well-deserving, I think, of that 50K bonus. Wasn't expecting this from the Justin James. And then Laura Murphy defeats... Roxanne Modafferi unanimous decision. She's now calling for uh, number one contender fight against Cynthia Calvillo. Thoughts on those last two fights? Yeah, I didn't expect that from James Kamako. Like he is successful to knock out, but I just I was picking for Vola. I thought Vola would have beat him. Yeah, but I didn't know much about James. But he had the right strategy where he's basically like taking this on short notice. I probably won't be able to go three hard rounds. Might as well just try to get him out early. That's exactly what he did. He landed some. Kamako just wasn't ready for a brawl, which he really should have been. He really should have thought. This guy has nothing to lose. He's going to come out swinging. But, and then Lauren Murphy looked good. I think a fight against Calvillo makes a lot of sense just because I see people saying Chukagan, but just with Murphy, if you do Murphy, Calvillo, whoever wins is a fresh contender for Shichenko. Yeah. Where if you do like Murphy, uh, Chukagan, or Calvillo, Chukagan, you're kind of in a weird spot where if Chukagan wins, you're not going to do Chukagan, Shichenko too. Yeah. I agree with everything there. Got a comment here from John. Leaving ATT and focusing with Dean Thomas would be great for Robertson. Still growing a decent prospect for sure. I mean, she like I said, she has got holes in her game. Her stand-up needs work, and she can get finished on the ground too. But 
a lot of potential, man, especially with that submission prowess. So, you know, I take back what I said about her last week. I think it was a little bit, you know, obviously I was wrong about my breakdown this fight. I thought Courtney Casey was going to win. I also uh, want to say that the size difference was pretty apparent here too. You know, Casey's actually like, like size-wise, she's not bad, but the strength, I think I should say strength. It's clear that Robertson was much stronger. Damon said uh, Torres looked amazing. He said he was on Van Buren. Everyone was, man. So it wasn't just you. But yeah, I, you know, I had a thought Torres could win. I should have really went with her on the podcast last week. It is what it is. Damon says if Casey could have kept standing or tried to get up, she would have had a much better chance. Yeah, for sure. No takedown defense whatsoever. But like just got on her back at will. And off the back, you know, she did threaten with that arm bar. I thought she was going to get it for a sec, but Robertson's actually the one who gets the finish. Okay. Now, oh, and as far as Murphy goes, yeah, I mean, that division, wow. I, the fact that Lauren Murphy is, like, a top three fighter in that division right now is just, like, wow. All right, uh, next up, and the last fight in this card, before we get into UFC and ESPN 12, in this fight, we're definitely going to talk about this for a minute here or something. Give me your thoughts on this one, guys. Throw them in the chat because I want to hear what everyone has to say about this. So we had Max Roscoff make his UFC debut on five days notice against Austin Hubbard. First round was definitely competitive. I actually did score for Max. I thought he won. Yeah, I thought I was surprised when all the three judges actually scored it for uh, Hubbard. I'm not saying that it was wrong. It was a close round, but Roscoff had, uh, I think he had one or two takedowns, and then he also had uh, some, you know, advances on the ground as well. Hubbard did get it back up, so and did some damage. But first round was very competitive. Second round, you started to see Roscoff really gassed, really tire out. There's a lot to talk about this fight, Cole. But basically, what happened was he just gassed out, and uh, Hubbard started really teeing off on him. It was a 10-8 round, according to the judges. I think 10-8 or 10-9 is okay there. You know, 10-8 does, does make sense. I'm okay I'm okay with that. Um, but anyways, between the round, this is where all the controversy happened. And I haven't had a chance to talk about this yet. But, you know, I definitely got a lot of thoughts on this one, guys. So basically what happened was uh, they went to the corner. I'm watching it here on, on my computer call, and the guy's like, call it. I'm like, wait, wait, wait. What, is this guy quitting? Like, Max Roscoff became the first fighter, I think it was six years ago, apparently, according to Sherdogs, uh, Jay Petrie. Uh, it was uh, Gerard Sanders or Danis uh, Sedano or something like that. I, one of those guys. He had like a knee injury though. I, Chris Lieben was the other guy I was thinking about. And also Nate Marker. There was a corner stopper there. But anyways, Roscoff became the first guy in like six years to actually retire in the school. So it's a very rare thing to happen. He said to Robert Drysdale's lead cornerman nine times on video, uh, I'm done, call it, I'm done, call it. Ross, uh, Robert Drysdale tried to encourage him to continue the fight. When the round, when the minute was over between rounds, uh, the uh, fighter, Max Roscoff, told the inspector, uh, commission official, don't know exactly who that guy was, by the way, um, but he just he said, you know, call it. And then the guy said, what is he saying? And then Rob Dreisel said he's calling it. So the fight was stopped at that point. And then they announced on the advice of the doctor, which I thought was kind of bizarre. But uh, it was definitely a TKO retirement, in my opinion. Now, there's a lot to talk about this. Um, so much to unpack from this call. Seriously, uh, we've seen all weekend people giving their takes on it. I want to give my take, obviously. I know Cole does too. I don't think Cole's going to be as fired up about this one as me, but I'll definitely be fired up, Cole, once again. So, all right. I think this dude quit. I mean, to me, that that's a really you know poor attribute to have as a fighter. The guy definitely quit. Uh, I don't think Robert Drysdale did anything wrong. I think he did his best job as a coach. He tried to encourage and motivate his fighter to continue. I agree with Robert Drysdale. I don't think this guy was hurt. I think he was exhausted and he mentally broke. I don't think physically he was hurt that bad. He did take some blows, obviously, in the second round, but I don't think he was hurt that bad. He didn't get dropped. It wasn't a prolonged beating like Smith or, or Glove or something like that. To me, Robert Drysdale didn't do anything wrong, and I don't understand all the criticism because the fight did not enter the third round. The fight stopped after the second round, and Drysdale was one of the people saying, you know, he's calling the fight. So I think he did with his job, man. He had that one minute to talk about it, 
and uh, tried to convince this guy to go on. The guy fighter didn't want to go on. That's his prerogative. He has to face the repercussions now. That might include not being in the UFC anymore after this. So to me, there's a lot to talk about here, Cole. But I just want to get your thoughts on the situation. Basically, you know, the Cole's notes of my version is I think Max Roscoff quit. And I think that Robert Drysdale didn't do anything wrong. I just want to hear your thoughts on this. Yeah, I'm totally different. I think Robert Drysdale's totally in blame. If your fighter says nine times to call the fight and you don't call it, uh, you're there to protect your fighter. There was no way Max Roscoff was going to win. You could say he quit. There, it really, he was getting beat down. He had no energy. And he said nine times. It, was, it wasn't until the commission, the commission overheard uh, Roscoff say call it that he told the ref, because only in Nevada the ref can stop the fight, which I never knew about until. Well, I mean, the guy could tap out though, Cole. Fight yeah. Over eight times, so Roscoff could have tapped out. You know? But he did. He told the commission he's done. So yeah. like the co- if your fighter tells your coach nine times that I'm done, I'm not fighting. Like, why does it take that long? And ba- I think if he gets released from the UFC, it sets a bad precedent because he took this fight on short notice. If there's going to be so many fighters now that won't want to take any fights on short notice because if they lose, there's a risk they get cut. So I think they have to give him one more. If he loses that, fine. You can cut him after two fights. But I think his corner kind of failed him by not not stopping it and letting him be the one to call where it looks like he quit. Now he's getting all the blame. Yeah, but the guy did quit, and the coach didn't want him to quit. He wanted him to keep fighting. I'm I'm 100% with Robert Dreiser on this one. I mean, again, this is actually good where that odds here, Cole. I know I'm in the minority, guys. Like A lot of people are really going hard after Robert Dreiser. Most people are kind of – on the you know the uh, the whole train of you know the corner should have stopped the fight, but to me, you know I would love to have him in my corner, man. That's you know for me like uh, the guy needed a mental push. I I agree with everything he said, but for sure he did take uh, quite a bit of damage in the, end of the second round. I just don't think he was as hurt badly as he was mentally broken. So you know as far as him getting cut goes. I think he'd be cut because Cole, to me, didn't look like he was ready for the UFC. And again, I did think he won the first round, but, you know, and it was short notice, but to me, there was a lot of flaws in this guy's game. His striking defense, he had no strike, first off, no offensive striking, no defensive striking. Uh, And once he couldn't get that submission, he just looked like he was lost. So I don't know. I mean, as far as setting a dangerous precedent goes, Cole, we've had one and done fighters many times in the UFC. We've had lots of guys fight once and not come back. So I don't know if their precedent's there as far as that goes. I know you're saying short notice, but. Again, you know, this this guy just didn't look ready to me in the UFC. Kevin, Pettis quit and Stuhl versus Tony too, but Duke had a quote and pretended Pettis pretended he's hurt, uh, broken hand. Yeah, I mean, Duke Roof, yeah, but dude, you know Duke Roof was also in the uh, corner of a guy who died. Uh, guy took a shitload of damage and died. So Duke Roof is, I love Duke. You know, he's a great coach, but, you know, he was, uh, I guess he learned from experience, man. I don't want to joke about that. There was a, I can't remember his name, Cole. You know what I'm talking about, Cole? Yeah. Um, poor guy. I think it was a boxing or MMA. I can't remember. You know, kickboxing, I think. Either way, the guy took a lot of blows and died in the ring, even though he didn't have to. Sad stuff. All right, let's just move on from this card. Let's go to Poirier and Hooker now. Man, great card. Definitely like this one as well. Not, I don't think it's good as the last card, cool, but uh, definitely solid. We'll start at the bottom and work our way up, as always. First fight of the night. And again, some of these fights, man, booked on short notice. Keep that in mind. Actually, I want to get to the last... Uh, Comments here before we end this podcast. Uh, this part of the podcast, Marcus Williams, great show. Thanks, Marcus. I am so baffled by Shane Bird was not attacking Emmett's left leg when he saw him in tweak it in the first round. Poor fight IQ in Shane's corner should have emphasized attacking leg. Someone else said that in the chat earlier. I think it was John, but yeah, hundred percent. Cole, you have obviously thoughts on that. I think there's some sort of respect between them where his knees already obviously hurt. Where 
a lot of guys don't want to do any more damage to people than they necessarily have to. Where I think Burgos might be one of those guys where he already saw his knee was hurt and he doesn't want to be the person to continue going after to hurt even more and then possibly end Emmett's career like that. So there is some respect between those guys. I know they have a lot of respect for each other, so maybe that's the reason, but I could have seen more leg kicks from Burgos for sure. Yeah. All right. Uh, last couple of comments here. Damon, as a corner, you're going to say everything you can to motivate and go out there, but you felt he was in danger. You have to step in and call it. And again, they did eventually call it. To me, I just don't see the controversy because it didn't go to the third round. If he did go to the third round there, then it's controversial. Like if he's like, you have to fight and then didn't tell you know, the coach, or if no one said anything, to me, that's more controversial. But again, this fight was never going to go to the third because uh, Roscoff can just tap out. He can just. T- I, I've seen fights where there's a fight. I can't remember what it is, but it's, it's almost like a joke. But the bell rings and the guy taps the ground. And he's like, I don't want to fight. And so like, I've seen that happen before. Kevin, Duke let Felder keep going with a broken arm. David Pettis had a broken hand. So, yeah, let's get to this card. Poirier Hooker. All right, cool. Start with the main, uh, with the preliminary card. Work our way up to the main card. First fight on the prelims, Jordan Griffin against Yusuf Salal. And right now we have a close odds for sure. Salal minus 115, Griffin minus 105. Who's your pick? I went with the sled underdog and Yusuf Salal. I was really impressed with him in his last fight against Austin Lingo. I was really high on Austin Lingo. His footwork looked really good. Jordan Griffin's a guy that I'm not too high on. Like, he lost Danny and Chad Skelly and submitted TJ Brown. But he was in trouble for Brown, and Brown didn't look that good. I think Salal's footwork is going to keep this fight standing. I don't think Griffin's going to take it down to the ground. And even if it goes down the ground, Zalal's really good on the ground. He has a lot of submission wins at LFA. He's fought five or, or he's bit headlined LFA shows. He has a lot of knock power. I think Zalal, just his footwork, will be able to pick apart Griffin on the feet. And I think he's going to get a decision win here. I like Zalal too. He's actually a slight uh, favorite right now. Oh, I know he opened, or was an underdog for a bit. Yeah, for sure. It's been like kind of going back and forth. And again, short notice fight, man. So got to keep that in mind here. But I do favor Zalal. To me, he's just a little bit more solid now. Griffin has a lot of experience, though. He's got 25 fights, so he's got a lot of experience. He's won in the UFC. He's got that experience in the octagon. Uh, he's got more fights now, three fights compared to one for Zalal. But I don't know, man. I was, I was pretty impressed by Zalal in the last fight. I thought he looked really good. Um, having said that, he has lost a couple times, so it's not like this guy's unbeatable. Uh, close fight, but I lean towards Zalal probably to win a decision, although Griffin has been uh, finished before, but he's pretty tough. All right, next fight we have... All right, this is an interesting one. Kay Hansen against Jin Frey, women's strawweight fight. Both women signed on very short notice. Kay Hansen, 20 years old, so very young. And then Jin Frey's 35, so kind of the opposite end of their career, I guess. Although Frey is still competitive, obviously. Uh, close fight call for sure. Right now we got Kay Hansen minus 150. Frey plus 130. Who's your pick? Yeah, this is a fight I would definitely not bet on either way. It's, de- it's interesting. Like Hansen obviously has a lot more of the upside. She's 20. She's done boxing, though. She's been in Invicta for a while. Jinu Frey is someone that, if there was an atomweight division in the UFC, she would have been in the UFC years ago. She's one of the best atomweights in the world. Hansen's fought at 125 before, so she's obviously going to be bigger. Definitely a fight. I'll go with Hansen slightly, just with the the size. I think the size is going to be a big advantage where Frey won't be able to get down on the ground. I just think on the feet, Hansen's the better striker. She's done boxing bouts. She's had some success in boxing where I think she could just piece up Frey. I don't think either of them are going to finish, so I'll slightly lean towards Hanson, but I wouldn't bet this fight at all. Yeah, I have a few thoughts on this fight. First off, and I made this point on Twitter yesterday, like it's very rare for a young fighter to come to UFC and have experience. I feel like this is too early for her, 20 years old. I don't see why they need to rush this girl into the UFC. Uh, 
I think she should have fought in Victor and get more seasoning. You know, having said that, she's obviously gonna get more money in the UFC. I'm obviously happy about that. Anytime a fighter gets more money, it's always good. But I just don't think that this is a good idea to have her uh, fight in the UFC at age 20, especially against Frey, who's a, you know veteran of the sport, a champion in Invicta. You know, she's actually a pretty good fighter. She's 35 too. She's you know pretty uh, up there in age for a female strawweight. I think she might be the oldest fighter in the division now, but she's still very competitive, Cole. So. You know, close fight. I mean, definitely interesting. I think I know what you're saying about the size. Like, I feel like Hanson's going to be bigger too. But if you look at the stats, they're both five three, and Frey actually has a two inch reach advantage. So I don't really know how much bigger Hanson's going to be. I think this fight's a coin flip, man. So I'm going to go slightly with Frey, I guess, just because I think the experience uh, in MMA, I think, is going to help her here. She's a champion in the sport. She knows what it takes to win. I think she's just going to be a little bit too much for Hanson right now, but. Hanson definitely could win. It's a coin flip fight. Honestly, I wouldn't like lay money on this fight either way. It's, it's kind of a weird matchup in my opinion. Um, but the slight leans towards Frey as a slight underdog. All right, next up, we got a welterweight bout between Takashi Sato and Ramiz Brahamaj. I think I'm pronouncing that right. We got Sato minus 130, Brahamaj plus 110. Who's your pick? I'm going with the underdog and Rami Brahamaj. He's up from Florida, and I've heard a lot of good things. Jeff Neal's really praised him. He said like he's one of he's gonna be someone that's gonna be a top five guy in the UFC. Anyone I talked to at Florida it's like Diego Ferreira who's worked with them says he's his ground game is no joke. He submits basically everyone. He's one of the best jujitsu guys at Forest family. And we've seen Takashi Soto get submitted quite often. Like his he's lost to uh Glace Franco by submission. His two losses are uh two of his three losses are by submission. Last time out was submitted by Blo Mohammed. I think Baramish will be able to take fight down the ground, be able to choke out Sato. Yeah, again, I don't know if I'm pronouncing his name right. If Cole is, I, I guess you're probably pronouncing it right, Cole. Uh, Bramish, so I'll go with that. Yeah, you know, close fight for sure. That's why the line's is close. Uh, Sato will go for the knockout, and then Bramish is probably going to go for a takedown here. I think he could probably get it, get the fight to the ground, maybe get a submission. So I'll go with Bramish, but again, you know, not no confidence really in this pick. David says, phrase list is anyway. She is an atom weight. So she's, I guess, on paper smaller. But again, the stats say that they're the same size, you know, as far as height and uh, reach actually goes to Frey. But I guess, you know, strength wise, I guess Frey, uh, Hanson might be a little stronger. We'll see. That's an interesting fight. But again, I don't think, I just don't think it's a good idea to sign young fighters for the UFC. All right. Next up, catch weight bow, 150 pounds, Sean Woodson against Kyle Nelson Cole. We've got Woodson, pretty big underdog here, minus 245, Nelson plus 205. Who's your pick? I'm going the the odds have it right. Sean Woodson should win this fight. He's a much better striker. Kyle Nelson is one of the few Canadians in the UFC. He obviously has a lot of knockout power. We've seen him knock Polaris last time out. He's a guy that had success against Digger for Hair in the first round at UFC 231 before he kind of gassed. But Sean Woodson, his fight against Kyle Bachnack really impressed me. He's a guy that had a good knock win on the contender series. It's just his size, 6'2", 79-inch reach. He's normally a featherweight. He's going to have an 8-inch reach advantage over Kyle Nelson. I just think that 8-inch is going to be huge where he's just going to be able to pay, piece up Nelson. Nelson, I think, is going to try to close the distance and use his wrestling because we haven't seen Woodson really test on the ground, but I think Woodson will just use his reach, use his size, and just piece up Nelson. I don't think he'll be able to finish him, so I have Woodson by decision. Yeah, this is uh, a fight that Woodson has to lose for sure. I, I think from what we've seen, the guy's pretty solid, Cole. The two wins, like or Bokniak and then McKinney was in the contender series, but yeah, I don't know. Like, I just I feel like the odds maybe are a little bit too high. You know, there's not a lot of respect here for Kyle Nelson, who, like you said, just is coming off a win over Paul Reyes. Paul Reyes is not really a UFC caliber guy. I got that his chin is not great, but you know, the two losses, Sales and Ferrer. I think the Sales ones you want one he'd like to have back, but Ferrer, there's no shame in that fight. 
was at that fight. I mean, the guy's got quite a bit of experience, man. You know, I, I've known Kyle Nelson for years. He fought in the score fighting series. You know, I've seen his, you know, early fights in his career. He was at some, uh, substance cage combat. You know, I've seen this guy fight in person multiple times. You know, he's a, he's a pretty tough dude, man. He's got some good wins, you know, like Connor Worthy, Jonathan Brooklyn. So he's got a lot of experience, Cole. Again, I'm going to pick uh, Sean Woodson. You know, I, I think he can probably just outstrike Nelson and keep the distance and win a decision. But, you know, Nelson, it, it, you can't please sleep on him, I don't think. All right, next up we got uh, heavyweight belt between Philippe Lins and Tanner Boser. Right now we got pretty close odds for this one too, Cole. Lins minus 115, Boser minus 105. Who's your pick? I'm leaning slide our dog and Tanner Boser. It's obviously a pick and fight for a reason with a slight lean towards Lins, but I just wasn't too impressed with Lins' his fight against Andre Arlovsky. He looked good in PFL. I honestly think he should have stayed in PFL. could have won another million dollars. And the UFC is not making that. A loss to Arlovsky at this point in your career, I, it's definitely not good. Bozer, he lost Cyril Gaon, and it was by decision. He didn't get finished. He's a tough guy. He's tough to finish. He obviously has a lot of experience. Fought in Russia. Fought all around. His leg kicks are just something that's so important to him. Like He he uh, hurts everyone's legs that he fights. Like I just think he'll be able to piece up Lenz's legs on the feet. I just think he's a slightly better strike. I think it's going to come down to the stand-up. I don't think it's going to go down the ground. And I, Bozer, to me, is just, I think this is kind of two prospects. I think he's a bit better, more well-rounded, where I think Bozer will do enough to get a decision win. Yeah, another close fight for sure. It's heavyweight, so even more variance. I don't know if we'll see a knock on this one. I think it's one of those heavyweight boats that could go the distance, actually. Cool. Just check the odds on that fight going. Yeah, even the over is actually juiced here, so the, the odds makers think it's going to go over. I think there's a good chance. going to be a close fight, I think. Uh, you know, the thing that I, I have to say about Linz, I wasn't impressed either against Orlovsky, but it was after a year and a half layoff. Like, he just fought now, so he got some. He got his feet wet again. He got some experience in the UFC now. I, I think there's more upside here with Philippe Linz. I mean, the guy won a million dollars in PFL. Uh, he's got some good wins, good experience. Boser's pretty solid, too. He's tough, too. That's the thing. Like, if Linz can't put him out, then Boser might be able to go the full three rounds and win the last two rounds of one decision. But I think the first round of Linz will probably win if he's more aggressive. Close fight. Definitely close. I'm going to lean towards Philippe Lins a little bit here. Uh, first, uh, you know, maybe he'll get uh, first and second round or something like that and win the decision. But, again, I think he has got more upside to finish the fight. He's got more power, I think, than Tanner Boser as well. So, Philippe Lins slightly lean, but, you know, not a lot of confidence in this one either. Next up, we've got a flyweight boat, uh, women's flyweight boat. Miranda Maverick, pretty good prospect here against Mero Romero Barella, who's, like, essentially a gatekeeper. Right now we have Maverick minus 200, Barella plus 250. Who's your pick? Uh, you have to go Miranda Maverick here. She is. This is a fight kind of tailored made for Maverick to win. I'm surprised Romero Barella is still getting another fight. She's only three. She's lost three straight. One in uh, four in her. Yeah, one four in her last five fights. She's what is she? She's two and four in her UFC career. She's been finished last time against uh, Courtney Casey. That was, and then she was finished against uh, Laura Murphy, Montana De La Rosa beater. I just think on the ground, Delos is gonna have or Ma- Maverick's gonna have a lot of success. We saw Barella get taken down quite often. I think Maverick. This is a fight where Maverick can look good in her UFC debut, and I think she can honestly get a finish as well. Yeah, Maverick should win this fight. You know, she's 22 compared to 20 for Hanson. To me, like I think Hanson could use an extra two years in victory. But anyways, yeah, I gotta go with Maverick too, Cole. Um, man, she's looked good. You know, she had the win over Pearl Gonzalez. That's a solid win for sure. Uh, Deanna Bennett, that's not a bad win either. So, you know, again, she's had a couple losses though, so she's not unbeatable. She can lose 
I just haven't been impressed at all with Barella. I'm with you, Cole. Like, I'm surprised she's getting another shot. You're essentially using her as a gatekeeper now. Probably the last fight in her deal. They're just going to let her fight it out. Um, you know, she does have, I, I guess, some potential on the ground to finish the fight with uh, submission or just wrestling, but too many holes in her game, man. I got with Maverick, uh, Miranda Maverick, or Cole. I think she can get a finish, actually. I think she can get the submission. Uh, that would be my pick for this fight. And uh, Maverick inside distance is actually plus money, and I think that could actually be a winner there. All right, next up, we got uh, the last fight in the prelims. I believe Luis Pena against Karma Worthy. Interesting fight here, Cole. Luis Pena, minus 270. Worthy, plus 230. Who's your pick? I have to go Luis Pena, but at this point, I think he kind of missed betting this fight. I think it's gone too far in favor of Luis Pena. We saw Karma Worthy pull off a massive upset last uh, when he knocked out Devontae Smith at UFC 241. That was a fight. He took on short notice. Everyone expected Devontae Smith to win. He obviously has a lot of knock power, but he's lost quite often. Like He's lost to Kyle Nelson by knockout, which doesn't look too good. But Luis Pena, I think, is just going to be able to pick and move. Or just pick and move, piece up Worthy. I don't think he'll be able to finish Worthy. Maybe on the ground since we're in AK. Maybe he'll have some more success because he obviously submitted uh, Richie Smallman. Tough look good against Matt Wyman on the ground. Maybe he'll do the same thing against Kama Worthy, but I just think Luis Pena is going to win this fight probably by decision. Maybe he might be able to finish Worthy, but at this point, I think the odds got way too far. I don't like the odds either. Worthy just pulled off a huge upset, one of the biggest of the year last year over at Devontae Smith. The guy's got a lot of experience and a lot of power. I mean, he's finally, like, Going back to 2012, guys like Paul Felder, Cole. So, like, he's been around a while, man. He's got, like, again, that win over uh, Smith on his resume. He's got six straight wins. So, he's got a lot of momentum coming in this fight. He's got a lot of confidence. Payne has got more experience in the UFC now. Um, overall in the UFC, he is 4-2. He's got good wrestling, as we know. He's very tough, hard to finish. I got to go with Luis Payne, Cole. I think the takedowns, just the grappling, will be the advantage for him in this fight. I, I don't think he finishes the fight. Probably goes decision. But, you know, Karma Worthy, uh, he has been knocked out a bunch of times. So it's possible to get touched here on the chin. I just think he's the one with more potential finish, actually. But, yeah, I'll go with Luis Pena to win this fight, Cole. Um, I just think the odds are a little bit too high because I think Worthy should get more respect after the fight with Devontae Smith last year. All right, getting to the main card, opening up the main card. <laughs> Why is this opening up the main card? Heavyweight boat, Maurice Green against John Volante. And right now we have Maurice Green minus 235, Volante plus 195. Who's your pick, Cole? Again, I don't like the odds, but I get why they're there. You ha I think you ha kind of have to favor Maurice Green. He's obviously a lot bigger. Jean Volante is a light heavyweight moving up. Maurice Green is going to have a six-inch reach advantage. His kryptonite is kind of in the ground. I don't think Volante is going to take it there. I think they're both going to stand. I think on the feet, Green's has the more power, has the reach, the better kickboxer. Like he grew up doing glory. Like, And it, even if it goes down the ground, like he has some success where he submitted like Michelle Batiste, who's a Olympic wrestler on The Ultimate Fighter. I just think Volante, it's more of a fade on Volante. I just haven't been too impressed them lately. I think this is a fight where I think the UFC liked Green for some reason. I think they liked him on the ultimate fight, or I think they want to get him another win because if he loses, could be his UFC career is up. So I think Green's going to edge out a decision. I think Volante's going to be too tough to finish. But again, we've seen Green get finished back back fights, so I wouldn't bet this fight at all. Yeah, this fight's interesting. Uh, like you said, Volante moving up to heavyweight. I don't know if this is a main card fight. I think it's more of a prelim, but yeah. I don't think it goes the distance. I think someone gets knocked out in this fight. But honestly, I'm going to go with Volante as an underdog. I just feel like the odds are way too far apart now. Green minus 235. I just don't – I fail to see why he's such a big favorite coming off back-to-back -back stoppage losses. Overall, hasn't been that impressive. I know Volante hasn't either, and obviously he's moving up to uh, light heavyweight for this fight. But 
I think that, you know, he has fought a heavyweight before. Excuse me. He's moving up from light heavyweight, obviously, to heavyweight. He has fought heavyweight before, though. You know, he's got some experience there. Uh, for sure, Green, I think, is going to be a little bit bigger. But I think Vontae with the speed. And I think he's honestly a little bit tougher and more durable. So I like Vontae a little bit in this fight. I wouldn't go crazy, obviously. But I think this is definitely a dog or pass situation, personally. All right, next up, we have uh, interesting fighter in the middleweight division, Cole. Brendan Allen gets Kyle Dalkus. Interesting fight. Allen minus 300, Dalkus plus 250. Give me your pick. Yeah, this is such an interesting fight. I was really hoping that Heinish Allen fight would have stayed in. I would have picked Ian Heinish to win that fight if it happened, but I think Allen, I think Allen wins this fight against Kyle Dawkins. Dawkins has taken this fight on short notice. He's obviously undefeated, has a lot of success in CFFC. He was on Contender Series, but got a decision to win, so he didn't get signed. He was the Cage Fury middleweight champion. Brent Allen was the, I think he won the LFA. Yeah, he won the LFA championship. Submitted Canadian Allen, Aaron Jeffrey in the contender series. Submitted Kevin Holland, knocked out Tom Breeze. He finishes all his fights. Dog is us on short notice. I don't really know where his cardio is going to be at. He wins a lot of his fights by submission. I just think Allen's going to be stronger. I think he's going to be better on the ground. I think Allen can either submit Dawkins or TKO him via ground and pound. So I think Allen wins this fight. Yeah, I don't think the fight goes the distance either. I'm going to slightly lean towards Brendan. I'm not even slightly. I'm going to lean towards Brendan Allen. I think he wins the fight by finish. The, the short notice, like you said. But Dalkus is undefeated, man. And honestly, he's a guy that should have been signed, I think. You know, all those wins except for the Contender Series one were by stoppage call. So if this fight goes to the ground, I'm with you, Cole. I think Allen probably does have advantage. But who knows? Maybe Dalkus can get him in that Darst. Because you look at his resume, he's got uh, five finishes by Darst Choke and three more by uh, Rear Naked Choke. So this is a guy that has pretty good submissions, man. I would be a, a little bit worried about Allen getting tapped out, especially at the price, but I still think Allen wins. The experience in the UFC, I think, is really going to pay dividends. The guy, Like you said, he finishes all his fights, too. I, I don't see this fight going the distance, goal. Cool. All right, time for the co-main event here. Interesting fight. Mike Perry against Mickey Gall. Wow, the line's pretty high now. Uh, Mike Perry, minus 310. He opened at minus 150, so it's been ballooned up now. Now to uh, minus three ten and two fifty plus two fifty five for Mickey Gall. Give me your pick, Cole. I think the opening odds were too small for Mike Perry. I'm not surprised it got blown up to this. Like Mickey Gall is a guy I'm not high on at all. Like his last winning a Slim Tuhara, he did not look good in that fight. Like I think he kind of faded. Whenever he fights someone up in competition, like a Diego Sanchez, like a Randy Brown, he loses. Mike Perry, I know everyone's pointing to that cut video. That's old. Like even Dana White was saying, it's not like. If you just look at his hair and then look at his hair in recent interviews, it's totally different. That I don't think that was real. Like I don't think that was anything new. What you have to worry about Mike Perry is he obviously has a new girlfriend, and that's going to be his – he said that's going to be his only corner man, which is going to be weird. Who knows how that's going to go. But this is a complete fate on Mickey Gall. Mike Perry, although he's on a losing streak, look who he's fought. Jeff Neal, Vicente Lucas split decision. A lot of people thought he won that fight. And then he beat Alex Oliveira. He's beat Paul Felder. Like, he has some good wins. I just think, even if it goes down to the ground, I think Perry's going to be too strong for Gall. I don't think Gall will be able to submit Perry. I think Perry's going to be able to connect on Gall and TKO him. Yeah, I got to go with Mike Perry, too, but I'm just not so high on Mike Perry, man. I I, I wouldn't bet on this fight, bro. No. I, I just think the odds are too high. Mike's 310, really. Like, Mike Perry has a 6 and 6 record in the UFC, so he's not very reliable. Mickey Gall uh, actually has a better record at uh, 5 and 2, but. I think the level of competition for sure definitely favors Mike Perry, but you know, Mickey Gall is not like a complete scrub, man. He's fought some pretty good guys too and has some okay wins. Like Sage Northcutt's not a terrible win. It's an okay win. You know, George Sullivan is a veteran. It's not a bad win. But the Duhari fight, just uh, I wasn't too impressed there, Cole. 
like you said, Perry's been fighting tougher guys. He has lost though, so my three ten, nah. But he probably does win the fight. The whole corner thing's weird too. All right, and uh, Kenshiro has Perry by TKO as well. Yeah, I think that's what happens. But again, would you, are you going to lay the price? Maybe you are. I mean, fair enough. But uh, let's go to the main event here, Cole. Oh, what a great fight. Dustin Poirier against Dan Hooker. Definitely my pick for fight of the night. Wow, this is going to be sick. Uh, Dustin Poirier minus 220. Dan Hooker plus 180. Give me your pick. So out of all the Vegas fights like they've done since the Apex, this is my favorite fight they've probably done. This is my favorite main event for sure. Like, I am so looking forward to this fight. I think the winner of this is right there for number one contender. If Gaethje beats Habib, you can easily put one of them in for the belt. I think the odds kind of have it right. I have a I lean towards Dustin Poirier. I just think on the feet, Poirier is the better striker. I think he's the more powerful striker. Even on the ground, I wouldn't be surprised if we see Dustin Poirier wrestle. He has good jiu-jitsu. He never really uses it. And I think that's a real path to victory against Dan Hooker. We haven't seen Hooker really tested that much on the ground. He's obviously a kickboxer. He, that's where he's more comfortable striking. I think Poirier might wrestle, but I think even on the feet, just for what I've seen for Poirier, I don't think Hooker will be able to put him away. Poirier has a hell of a chin. Like We saw what Gaethje landed against him. We saw what Alvarez landed against him. Even Max Holloway landed some good punches. Like Poirier's a tough guy. His last loss against Khabib. And he, even he was close to choking out Khabib. Like, that's why I think he, on the ground he has a huge advantage over Hooker. I think Poirier's going to win this fight, and I think he's even going to stop Dan Hooker, whether it be TKO or submission. Yeah, I love this matchup. Amazing fight, for sure. Dream fight for uh, UFC fans. I, I'm with you, man. I like Dustin Poirier here. I think he wins by knockout as well. I, I don't think the fight's going to go to five rounds. You know, it's the over-under is actually at four and a half rounds. I, I think that's being generous. You know, they could have set it at two and a half, I think. I, there's no way this fight's going to distance. Too much power, and, and too many, to me, two guys are – you know, great strikers, but they're also kind of reckless too, and they can both get caught. Uh, we've seen both guys get KO'd before. You know, Dustin Poirier is not invincible, man. He's been knocked out. Michael Johnson knocked him out. Conor McGregor knocked him out. So he can be finished. Dan Hooker, obviously, we've seen him get finished uh, against Edson Barboza. And, but overall, I mean, he's very durable. So, you know, interesting fight. Uh, you know, possibly Hooker could pull off the upset, but I think Poirier get, gets the job done, Cole. I think he's going to be able to knock out Dan Hooker, especially with Hooker coming off that fight with Felder. You know, I took a lot of damage in that fight. And I think it's going to show up here. So my picks, Dustin Poirier, I'd love to see him like work the body with his punches cool in this fight. We know Hooker can be knocked up to the body. So you nice to see uh, Poirier really get his uh, striking on display. But he's got to keep his hands up too and his chin down because, you know, Dan Hooker is a guy who finishes a lot of fights. 17 wins by stoppage, a lot of knockouts, James Vick, Gilbert Burns. Yeah, he has that walk win over Gilbert Burns goal. That looks really good right now, you know, with Burns being so good. So great fight. Love it. But got to go with Dustin Poirier. All right. Kitchero, Dustin will TKO, no head movement, no head movement, give the decision as last fight, Hooker. Yeah, Hooker just keeps his head straight up, and I think Poirier gets job done. But again, you know, he's somehow this guy's able to survive a lot of fights, but I don't think it's going to happen here. I just think, man, Poirier is so precise, Cole. All right, let's get to some news, Cole. Uh, I already talked about the uh, the Roscoff thing, we don't have to talk about it anymore. Uh, but Anthony Smith did come out and he talked about it and criticized the corner. I mean, it feels like the pot calling the kettle black, right? Yeah, it's really weird because. What was it? A month ago? Not even a month. When was this fight? Like middle of May? Like a month ago? That everything is faced together these days. A month ago, like yeah, he, his corner was under fire for not stopping the fight. Now he's blaming a corner, and he basically defended his corner, basically saying like if they stopped the fight, I would have fired him. And now he's defending a corner for not stopping the fight. Like I don't get it at all. Yeah, it's it's bizarre. Uh, Jim Miller, like I said, he did that interview at uh, with BJ Penn. Would you like to see him fight 170 or 185 or just stick at 150? I didn't get 
Yeah, I talked to him before the fight, and basically he actually said something really interesting. So I was saying, like, you fought a lot of guys. Like, is there anyone else, like, kind of on your bucket list who you want to fight? Like, he's fought the who's who. Like, he basically said, what I'd like is my 40th UFC fight, be at welterweight against Donald Cerrone, his 40th UFC fight, and see what happens. Maybe we ride off in the sunset together, tie for the record at 40. Because he even said, like, I don't really know if anyone's going to touch 40. Like, Neil Magny might. He has a lot of UFC fights, but no one coming up now is ever going to get to 40 UFC fights again, I don't think. Yeah, it's it's tough. I mean, hey, Burns, if he keeps fighting every month, I mean, he no. be quick, right? But, uh, yeah, no, especially if he becomes a champ, he won't be fighting that often. So, yeah, definitely interesting call. Um, speaking about Burns, Burns actually next up on my list here. He, he wants Connor out of the rankings. I agree with him. If Connor's actually retired, why is he in the rankings now, right? Yeah, because they took Cejudo out right away. Like, that's the thing. They're so inconsistent. Like, oh. Like, they take when fighters switch weight classes, they take him out so quickly. But for Edgar and Aldo, for some reason, they have him in both divisions. Like, I don't think you should be ranked both divisions. Like, pick one you're fighting in. Yeah, I know. All right, uh, next on my list here, uh, Dana White shot down a possible matchup between the guy you just mentioned, Cejudo and Volkanovski. Super fight. This is not going to happen. Too many guys that went 45. Uh, Cejudo. I mean, it, it depends. Like, if he really hypes up his return, he could potentially jump in there. Like, Dominic Cruz just got title shot, so anyone could kind of come out of retirement and get a title shot. I think if the conditions are right. But yeah, I I feel like Dana's actually right about this. Like, there's too many guys call at 145 right now that are waiting in line. Yeah, yeah. Because I even talked to Volkanovski, and he was saying like he views Cejudo as a featherweight contender now, right now. But he didn't want that super fight because. He said Cejudo was already holding up the flyweight. He was already holding up the bantamweight. And he doesn't want to fight Cejudo because then that holds up three men's weight classes. He says that's not fair. Like, especially at featherweight, he said he has to beat Holloway. Then he does another one where he defends against whoever looks the best out of like Sabi, Yair, Zombie, Ortega, uh, Cater. And then he said, maybe if I defend that, then maybe Cejudo's an option. But like he's not even thinking about Cejudo right now. He says like could be an option, but not until he defends his belt another two, three times. Yeah. Uh, a couple of fight nuts is cool. And by the way, if anyone has any last second questions, throw them in there now before me and Cole get out of here. But uh, last couple of fight nuts are here, Cole. Uh, we'll start with, uh, well, there's two fight nuts I want to get to, but Vicente Luque versus Randy Brown. Great fight. Love this matchup. Uh, you know, I, I think Luque, I was surprised they gave him Jeff Neal. I think that was the fight everyone wanted to see. I know you've talked to Jeff. If you want to show me label Jeff's situation, I know Marcus would want to know, but uh, I still like this fight, though. But what, what are your thoughts on everything? Yeah, I think he, he even called out Jeff Neal after the fight. And I was talking to Jeff Neal after that fight, and he said, yeah, I loved that one. Like, he's had a hard time getting fights. Like, yeah. there's been quite a few guys that turn him down. Like, quite a few guys high up in the rankings, some unranked guys, like Ponzi Nebbio and Kiesa. Neal's made that public on Twitter. There's been a lot of other guys that he's told privately he's turned him down. No one wants to fight Jeff Neal because he's not highly ranked, and everyone knows he is really a top. Like, I think he's a top five talent at welterweight, but he just hasn't had that big win to put him there. And no one wants to risk fighting ahead of them, like a seven or eight guy, because Jeff Neal's that good. Like, it's he's in such a tough spot where no one wants to fight him, and because and he might have to fight down again. Yeah, he is in a tough spot. I still like to see him fight Robbie Lawler. I think Santiago Ponzinibbio does make sense too. Uh, I saw Bilal called out Santiago as well, so they got to get him back. He's actually not in the rankings anymore. Bilal Muhammad was like, oh, he's in the rankings still. He's not. He's actually been kicked out. But, uh, you know, Neil Magny's a guy that uh, could fight Jeff Neal maybe at this point. I don't know. But either way, I do like this fight between Luke and Brown. Uh, any thoughts on that fight? Yeah, it's definitely a good fight. Like, early lean heavy towards Vicente Luque. But Randy Brown's dangerous. Like, he has a lot of power. So you never know. And we saw Luque get hurt against Nico Price. So 
Yeah. Luke Cage, though, but like this fight is going to be fun. Luke Cage is not in a boring fight. And the last fight announcement here that I want to get to quickly, Rhea Agapova makes a quick turnaround against Shayna Dobson. I guess the fighter she called up, but man, what the hell? Like Dobson's, I think, one in three in the UFC, and Agapova is obviously like a really elite prospect. So what do you think? Yeah, why the heck would this? Well, I don't, even when she called her out, I messaged him like, why the hell would she call Dobson out? She is way ahead of Shayna Dobson. I think Shayna Dobson is probably, if you were, if you see to rank every single fighter in that division, I think Shayna Dobson would be the least ranked fighter. She's all one three in her last. She's lost three straight fights. Agapova looked good. She's all, she has a lot of hype behind her. This is an I think she, like I honestly wouldn't be surprised if the open odds are like minus four hundred, minus five hundred for Agapova. Like I think this is an easy win for Agapova, and I think she probably finishes Dobson as well. Yeah, I think you're right about that. Um, just a couple comments here. If anyone again, if anyone has any last second, throw them in there. Marcus says, if Cejudo comes back in title fight, who do you think he would get? What do you get paid your points? Uh, doesn't Cejudo uh, try to look like a good business move? Um, you know, the UFC definitely doesn't want to give pay points to anyone, but I think Cejudo would for sure. And then Brandon Parker here says, Ross got the least career man kids going through it, and he is. And, uh, you know, again, this is the repercussions about quitting in a fight, you know. Uh, according to Robert Dreisel, this guy's regretting it already, you know. So it's one of those things, man, you know. You got the shot in the UFC, you've been waiting your whole life for it, and then it didn't go your way. But I, I feel like you know, a lot of, uh, like Dana White, Dana White had some weird comments about it, Cole. Because when he talked to Brian Okamoto, it sounded like, you know, he's like, oh, I don't know if this kid's ready. Then later on, he was like, oh, there's no shame in quitting. So I don't know what happened, like, between those comments, but it's really up in the air if this guy fights again. But, uh, you know, there were some rumors floating around he's going to announce his retirement. I saw that on, I think, Middle Easy, but I don't really, I don't know if I trust their uh, rumor mill that much. But I did, they, they did. Put, report that as a rumor so who knows but uh you know i'd just like to see the kid go back to the regional scene get some more experience i didn't mention this earlier but you know he came into the ufc with an injury and you know the management's to blame too cool like yes you know dana was saying this, you know his manager was blowing up my phone for you know a while now get this guy in the ufc get him in and then he comes in the ufc with an injury a turf toe which is not you know crazy like serious injury but it's still an injury and also a bad weight cut this guy was not training right so to me you know, I understand why he took the fight and why his manager said, you know, we're going to sign you up. But he would have been better off, I think, waiting for Contender Series. Cool. You know, it's coming back in August. We didn't actually get a chance to mention that. They just announced uh, – or not – uh, no one actually – no one came reported it. That's going to happen in August, starting August. So I think he would have been better off there personally. But, uh, yeah, I mean, for sure, you know, again, this is the repercussions of it. If he wants to tap out and not fight, that's fine. You know, that's his choice. However, there are repercussions to come with that. Any last thoughts on Roscoe? Yeah, it's definitely, I think he would have been better off fighting in the regional seeds this year and honestly waiting for the Contender Series next summer, like summer 2021, have like eight pro fights and then go in the Contender Series as your ninth pro fight and you see to be as your 10th pro fight. I think that would have been a lot better for him. I agree completely, Cole. You know, there's no point of rushing fighters in with five fights, I don't think. Like it's, it never really goes well. Now, that, one last comment from Kenshiro, and I got to read this one. Max is a quitter. I kind of agree with that, but the second part I don't agree with because if you actually read a story at the body lock, he says he's probably born middle class family and easy life. Go read the story at the body lock. This kid did not grow up with easy life, dude. He grew up in a with a rough life, and uh, it's a guy who's battled a lot of demons throughout his life. So I I'd encourage you to read about his you know history. But again, I just feel like you know the UFC is the big league. Sometimes I think some people forget that Cole. It's the big league. It's like. If you go up to baseball and you strike out a few times and say, I don't want to hit anymore, like, you know, to me, it's kind of similar. I don't know. Like, 
and I also don't like the comparisons towards this and the uh, Kelvin Glasslam, Nate Marquardt fight, or Chris Lieb and Uriah Hall, because those are veteran guys who are like 40, 55 that were at the end of their career and got beaten down their last fight. It's a very, a very different situation to go get five per fights. But anyways, I've definitely said a lot about Max today and, and everything. So, Cole, anything uh, you want to plug? And, and go ahead, four yours. Uh, Twitter, I'll show anyone this week. I talked to Kyle Nelson, Morris Green, Yusuf Zawal, and then I have the fighter picks for the main event. Other than that, everything's always on my Twitter. Good stuff, Cole. Uh, you guys can follow me on Twitter at Martin, and of course, I'm available at MMAoddsbreaker.com, home of the podcast, uh, BJPen.com, and MMAratings.net. Follow me on Twitter and you know, send me any messages about anything you ever want to talk about regarding MMA. I'll be back Friday, uh, probably 10 a.m., I believe, so I'll be back then. Cole, thanks for uh, joining me today. Everyone, thanks for tuning in. I really appreciate it, guys. Have a good day, and I'll see you guys Friday. Bye.